This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I'm Josh Muccio, and from Gimlet Media, this is The Pitch, where real entrepreneurs pitch to real investors. A few months back, The Pitch hosted its first ever live show. It was at Gimlet Fest, Gimlet's first ever podcast festival. And at that live show, we did things a little differently. We brought three startups out on stage to pitch to two of our investors. And those investors chose one winner at the end of the show. All right, let's get to it. So, without further ado, let's introduce the investors. All right, so number 11 from the Golden State, I mean, Structure Capital, um, tenacious but gracious, Jillian Mattis. I think you have some fans here, Jillian. All right. And number zero, because in his words, he's not a real big fan of sports, but he loves video games. Long walks on the, no, no, that wasn't it. Um, video games, working out, and playing chess. <laughs> no BS investor, Michael Hyatt. Now, the moment you've all been waiting for, the real heroes on our show, introducing our first founder, Rami with HoneyFi. Hello. Hello. Hello, Brooklyn. So, managing money with a partner is never easy. And for today's generation, it's even more complex because of the way they think about finances. Millennials are getting married later, typically dual incomes, and don't merge their finances the same way our parents' generation did. In fact, two-thirds of millennials don't merge their finances even after getting married. My wife and I are a perfect example of this. We got married in our early 30s. I know, I, I look young. Uh, we both worked, and even after having kids, we never got a joint account. It was good in some ways. I could go to Wendy's without feeling guilty. But at the same time, there were some things that weren't so good. We'd occasionally miss bills because we weren't communicating with each other on who was paying what. There was also an underlying tension that who was paying enough or were we paying an equal share of the household finances? And it led to some rough nights on the couch. <laughs> it's true. Uh, we looked for solutions, right? We wanted to try and find something that could help us manage our money the way we thought about it, but we couldn't. So I got together with my partners and we said, guess what? We've got the banking expertise. We've got the technical capability. Let's build this. And that's how HoneyFi was born. HoneyFi is a platform to help couples integrate their finances and achieve their goals together. 
We launched at the end of last year in both iOS and Android. We've been growing about 30% month over month since January. We're raising our seed round to take Honeyfy to the next level, and we'd love if you join us to help uh, redefine couples' finances. So it's like mint. It's like mint for couples. It's like mint, but better. <laughs> okay, so um, first of all, tight pitch, good job. Um, question, there are a lot of competitions. So the competitive landscape, this is, has been done. One of the best ones is honeydew. So what's your special sauce? What's your differentiator? Because that's a critical part of really this. Absolutely. Well, one, we have a better name than honeydew. Honeyfy goes much further. <laughs> uh, but we, we actually think we're solving a different problem than honeydew. So honeydew, from what we've seen and what we know about them, is focused more on helping couples manage bill splitting at the end of the day. We're working to go much further than that. So for example, we've just signed a bank partnership to integrate a savings account into the experience so we can help couples actually save for those goals as opposed to just the accounting aspect of it. And we're also gonna integrate other products as it makes sense. We're much more focused on how do we help the couples go forward together versus what they're dealing with today. So how does this work? So, wow, I'm gonna say this really early and Josh is gonna look at me. So let's talk about the business. Um, <laughs> So, so you're, you're, you're bringing people on, husband and wife or partners or whatever, and are you trying to make a play on the savings? Are you getting revenue from the big data? Like, where are you making money and how are you making money? Yeah. So um, we have three revenue streams. Savings will be one. So we'll share in the net interest with our partner. Uh, also referrals. So as we understand what the challenges are couples are going through, so they're about to have a kid. We talk through life insurance, 529s, et cetera, wills, trusts. So we think we'll be in a very good position because these are not your millennials that are looking for avocado toast, no offense, but these are people that are going through major life decisions, especially financial life decisions. Do you, do you find that people want to share this information? I, I think there's probably couples who want to share it and then people like, maybe I don't want them to know. Every, do you want to know everything in your partner's bank account? Does that... Do, do, really? Yeah? Is it a yeah? yeah the, the women are is saying... It, is, it, is it? The men are saying... Show of hands. Yeah, How many people want to see what's in their partner's bank account at all times? How many people want to share what's in your banking on all times? No. No, no. There you go. So, but, but exactly. So that's why we built Honeyfell. You get to choose what you share with your partner. Oh. Yeah, but you know, that's, that's a whole... That's so I can cut dynamic. out certain places? You can, you can hide accounts if you'd like, or you can hide transactions if it's a gift or something like oh, that. Oh, naughty. So okay. question. How this many, is getting... This is a much better app now. <laughs> right. How many of you out there, just curiosity, hide something from your partner? In terms no. of some of your spending. No. Oh, one guy with integrity. A couple there's, there's, of people here. Two honest people. Yeah. They're with their partners. Who's uh, going to admit that? Uh, yeah, with, with, your, with your partners. Uh, I, that's another, that's a dynamic of this. It's the behavioral piece that I worry about with this. Is really how much is really going to be honest and how much do you want to? I, I really like the space you're in and what you're doing. I, I think this is a winner. What convinced us of something that I think we're trying to get at here is... How are you going to stretch out? I mean, it seems like someone can recreate this app, get traction, and the big thing's going to be marketing costs or customer acquisition costs and getting going. How do you run fast enough to get enough size to matter where I guess you get acquired by NFI or whatever it is? Like, what's the plan here to really get this to be big and, and branch out? Because I don't think you're doing anything that's not being done. I like the name. There's other names close to yours. You know, I'm, I'm struggling to see why it's you. Yeah, no, great question. So... 
for us, our growth to date has been all organic, right? So we haven't had the funds, frankly, to spend money on it. So we've been hustling essentially to do a lot of content marketing. So we've done some surveys to understand the relationship between money and finance and happiness. And that's gotten us into Forbes and CNN Money and establishing ourselves as the financial or family financial experts. We're also starting to establish partnerships with distribution partners. So uh, think premarital counselors. Uh, millions of people go through religious and sometimes non-religious premarital counseling. How do we insert ourselves into that program? Really? Is that the biggest one? Not the big, well, it's fairly I mean, large. a surprising one. But then uh, also working with employers. So creating this as an employee benefit that they can give out to their... That's uh, better. Well, talk about your CAC. Talk about your CAC, your cost of CAC. acquisition. Yeah. So as I said, most of our acquisitions have been organic, so we haven't put much into marketing. When we've done tests, it's around 10 bucks. Um, and at the previous startup we were at, which is also in the fintech space, we were able to see between seven and eight bucks. And how much is a client worth to you? We can make on average about 100 LTV. And how many clients do you have? We have just under 10,000. Okay. And how long since you've launched? Uh, seven months. And just question, why, why do you think this is a product and not just a service? Because Mint or any of those others could actually build this out, Correct. Yes and no. So Mint specifically, they have a challenge in that they make a lot of money today referring to banks, credit cards, deposit accounts, et cetera. And their parent company, Intuit, makes a lot of their money selling services to banks. So the moment they start to integrate banking products, they compete with those banks. So Mint specifically, I don't think would do this. But for doesn't mean there won't be other competitors. How much are you raising? What are you going to do with it? Uh, we're raising a million and a half. Uh, and it goes essentially to build the team out. So today we're not paying ourselves anything, so we need to pay ourselves. We want to hire a couple more engineers and a marketing person. And then we're also going to do some actual marketing. Okay. Josh, thoughts? Are you done? I, I, well, I, I'm not sure there's, there's not... Surely you have more questions. I do have more questions. Your, your business, I, I get, just take me to one more time why you over the others? Like, what yeah. are you offering? Is it just like, are you just saying, I can run faster and better to partnerships than other people? Because I'm not sure I buy that. So what, what is it? Like, I'm actually interested in investing. Yeah. I actually like the space. I like what you're doing. But, but what, why? Is it you? Is, what is it? Absolutely. So I think ultimately the problem is not a, a technology problem, right? This isn't, it's a banking problem. It's a, it's a, a uh, psychological problem, understanding people's preferences. So our team, so myself, um, I've been in, worked at Bank of America. I've worked at Ernst & Young in management consulting, advising large banks. Uh, prior to this, I was COO at a startup here in New York called Movin, Movin uh, which was one of the first alternative or digital banks. And I helped grow Movin's business from the ground up, both in the US as well as internationally. And we believe that this is a, a global opportunity. We have people today trying to use our app from Denmark and wherever else, and they're very angry at <laughs> Canada, and they're very, very upset that they couldn't get up. Canadians board. never get angry. Ne never get angry. It's a lie. They <laughs> well, they are. They just don't show it. They're very <laughs> repressed. So why did you start this business? Honestly, it was a combination of personal and professional. On the personal level, my wife and I struggled with it. Um, when we found out we were having our third kid, uh, we suddenly realized, can we still live in New York? Can we afford to, live, to put our kids through school? Should we move out to the suburbs? And we ended up having a much bigger uh, conversation, I'll say, than we intended. And we realized we'd never actually talked about finances together. We'd never actually come up with a plan. We'd never actually agreed on how we were going to do things. And that tension had sort of always been underneath the surface, and it, it bubbled up. 
But you did know about Honeydew, or did you not at that time? Was it not around? And did you look at other you know, apps and, and alternatives? Yeah. Like, so we, we technically started before Honeydew did. We took a break when we moved. We had a third kid and all that kind of stuff, which slowed our development uh, down a little bit. And, but I don't look at competition purely as a bad thing, right? I mean, I can tell you John Hancock spent significant sums of money trying to create this. And we talk to banks, my friends who work at banks, and they're trying to solve this problem every day. How do we capture millennials, especially couples, because they know they are the most important customer base for them. And so for us, we think that's a, a great validation. Okay. So how many people on the team? Three. What's your burn? Uh, just under 5K. 5K? 5K? Yeah. I didn't wow. think I've ever heard that in my life. <laughs> You're not paying like, yourselves. Is we're that not, the we're not food budget? Ourselves. Yeah, what is that? Uh, I should lunch. have we're, we're not, That's yeah. great. Coffee. Where, where are you? Is this out of your house? Obviously, no rent, no anything. Is it? Yeah, you guys know. out of your house right now? Uh, no. So we're based in Charlotte. So it's a, just a cheaper market. Oh, yeah, there you there go. There we go. Time is up. What? <laughs> Time I is just was getting up. like okay. You're just getting. I know. I'm just getting going. I know it's hard. All right, Rami, thank you so much. Thank you. Well done. Fantastic. Great. Very good. All right. Our next founder is PK Banks with C Blocks. Hey guys, it's great to be here. In developed economies, 70% of people know about cryptocurrency, and yet only 5% own any. There is a tremendous market gap between awareness and adoption, and there is a tremendous opportunity to capitalize on that if we can just get to the core of why uh, that gap exists. To get most cryptocurrencies, you have to find your way to an obscure exchange. You have to probably wait on a wait list, go through some complex UI that's tailored to a trader, not to like an ordinary consumer. And the worst part about it is you can't just buy cryptocurrency with a credit card or US dollars. Right? You have to actually bring cryptocurrency from somewhere else, use it to get cryptocurrency. Well, this is way too much to ask for an ordinary person to get through. So take a moment and close your eyes and imagine with me a world in which getting cryptocurrency is as easy and familiar as placing an order on Amazon and having it sent to your door. Well, you can open your eyes now. You don't have to imagine it because I'm holding that solution right here. We acquire five cryptocurrencies for you out of the top 100 by market cap. We secure them using military-grade encryption on this device. This is a C-block, and it is the starter kit to join the cryptocurrency revolution. So we launched a pilot, and in 30 days, we generated sales of more than $30,000. We had international interest, shipping to customers in eight countries on five continents. And so we're doing a seed round to launch our product in Canada and to make cryptocurrency within reach for anybody. Yeah, there you go. Um, okay, so let's walk through what's on that key. Sure. So I order that key. Yeah. And is that an electronic wallet on there? And then you update it electronically? It's a USB drive, it? right? 
This it's a at USB. its core is a USB drive. And uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, cryptocurrencies have wallets, and that's what describes uh, a private key that gives you the credentials to sell cryptocurrency. And a wallet is really just that, crypt that, that private key. Okay, but I buy that, and yep. you send it to me out five cryptocurrencies. Yep. This is the five top market caps. So like Bitcoin, top Ether, 100. EO, top mm -hmm. 100? Yeah, the top okay, 100. Okay, so you get top 100. Yep. I bought five. You yep. send me it, and yep. there's 50 bucks on there? Uh, we have packages of... Different packages? Yeah. Okay, now I got the key. Yes. Okay, now what do I do with it? Great. So we have clients who we've interviewed to follow up and say, what is it that you've done with your product? And the responses vary. The themes are, uh, first, they love owning it. Merely like having it allows them to be a part of it. The next response is, I use this as a gateway to crypto because it was too hard to get started. So we had one particular customer say, I've joined the online communities of the currencies that I've acquired, and I've even started mining. Okay, but okay, stop there. So I've got the five, and yep. if I want more, you can send me more electronically? Do I buy another key? This is a natural follow-up request that we have from our customers. So one-time buy key one of whatever buy. size? Correct. Uh, okay. Okay, so I have so many problems with this. All right, I have to be honest with you. Yeah. Okay, first of all, there are huge regulatory problems, huge, which I think is probably why you had to move to Canada. Or did you start here and have to move to Canada, or did you start in Canada? Be honest on this, because the yeah. regulatory issues around this are I think she's insane. Something. Okay, no one starts my... in Canada when you start yeah. in the U.S. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to be you know, mean here. I'm just trying to be really honest. I need you to be honest on sure. this. The reason why we're launching in Canada is we discovered that Canadian regulatory agencies are much more accessible and willing to work with businesses to make cryptocurrency and digital currencies. So Let's go back to your business. How is this not a gimmick? Okay, here, here we go. So this is, uh, you, you're selling people a key. It's almost like you're selling unsophisticated people a physical object with a randomly generated Wait. top 100, hold on, uh, coins. Here's the problem with the coins. The coins you're selling are, I don't know, people are buying the coins because they believe in them. They have some utility or they're doing something. But I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the coin does. And then I, I'm not even sure I'm going to get liquidity out of this coin. Like, mm -hmm. why am I buying this besides buying, I don't know, um, some other trinket at a, at a I, I just don't get it. Sure. Let, let, me, let me take you back to how we got here, and that'll help explain uh, how this isn't a gimmick. Um, and so I have a Wall Street background before uh, a software developer. Uh, I was uh, a hedge fund manager for almost 10 years. Okay. So I have a lot of people in finance. They come to me saying, what is up with this crypto stuff and how do I get started? It is too hard to understand. It's too hard to get started. So I tell them, like, here you go. This is how you go through the exchange. PK, would you just make it easy for me? I would love for you to just pick. I want to get started. This well, is how well, the product just first came out. Why don't you just, well, don't you just pick Bitcoin or Ether, right. two of the big ones, or something really, sure. really big. Well, and, right. and, and also, once again, sure. why is this not a pump and dump? One, first of all, I mean, basically you are, and the fact that, you know, you were hedge funds, it makes a lot of sense to me, actually, but... Um, 
Uh, you know, you're very bright. I mean, clearly you're super, super bright. So I'm not, I'm not negating that. I'm just saying that this seems a little bit scammy, a little bit scammy. Um, and how do you, what's a process you go through to validate these companies? Sure. And how are you picking these for me, one? And how are you not gaming the system by These companies, them? you mean these cryptocurrencies? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, because it can be, you're elevating, right, the appetite sure. for them. You are the appetite for them. So are they buying open. this to spend it, or is it a, an investment vehicle? No, you can't we spend view it. This, there is no way so to. we view this as a product, not an investment. And it's an opportunity to get started and to learn how, like, how it works more than trying to trade. So most of the um, cryptocurrency businesses out there, they're either issuing their own tokens or, or coins, or they're facilit facilitating the exchange of them to make money, to pump and dump. With our product, we ship you the random selection to alleviate you of the need to analyze which ones you need to pick, to analyze which one is valuable more than the other, and uh, we don't facilitate the, the trading of the Imagine of you the do coin. that with stocks. Would you think that was a good idea? Uh, you send me a key with five stocks randomly S&P. Do you think that's a good investment? So if we were to do that with stocks, um, I'm not so sure that's how that's all that different from, say, joining a new exchange that I won't name and getting a randomly chosen stock uh, because you signed up. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. So, so you're, this is random. Can you, can you just um, clarify what randomly choosing? Sure. Let's go through okay. that. Okay. Yeah. So it is truly a random selection. Okay. There is, there is an algorithm that we write that is a random selector out of the top 100. Okay. There is no analysis provided by us. We don't give guidance on which things to buy. And so in that way, we tailor the solution to be a product not an investment. Okay. How do I sell my coins, the one you just sent me? We provide you with a private key and an opportunity with guides that we have as content on our site that give you the instructions for how to sell it. And that's assume how you monetize some of this as well in terms of the transit. We do, yeah, so um, it is not a natural way to use this to sell it. Right, but okay. But you have the ability to do so because you own the private keys yourself. Can I say something positive? Yeah. <laughs> You'll be shocked. Are you shocked? Yeah. Yes. Okay. There are two things. First of all, one, see, she doesn't like it either, but uh, okay. So, um, so, uh, internally that's how I'm feeling, but, but let me say something positive. <laughs> I don't want to say something positive because I really believe that in order to work and be a good investor, you want someone to roll their eyes, okay? You want to have a contrarian company. You don't want all of us to sit here saying, oh, this sounds fantastic. That's not what you want. You want to hear the no's, but you want to hear interesting, right? No's. That's the way that you're going to learn. That's the way you're going to evolve. So let me give you the flip side because you heard all my no's, all right? Putting aside all the regulatory issues and the fact that this may be a little bit of a pump and dump and the fact that you had to move to Canada to advert all the regulations here in the US. If you look on the flip side of this, I think utility tokens are the are dope. I think they are exactly where all companies should be. And I think tokenizing is going to be the path to success for a lot of companies. And so I do think this on-ramp that you're creating is a positive if you can get all these pieces. Yes? Yes, thank okay. you. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, so look, I think that um, 
cryptocurrency in general is uh, like I think a, like good 98% of it's going to get washed out and I think you know that as well. I think what you're doing is is cute. I think it's gimmicky. I think you can be better than this. Let me let me tell you how I think you can be better. I think selling people that key would make sense if you use your expertise to give them things that you thought would go up in value, at least have liquidity or utility. Like no one in this audience should ever invest in anything unless you do the homework. And if you don't, we all deserve to lose our money. You got to do the homework. And I actually believe that people should do the work behind cryptocurrency and buy things they believe in for a reason. You know, for example, you might say right now that Ethereum is really good because most developers in the world on crypto are on Ethereum. You know, so there should be reason behind the investment. So I think if your key had some things that you selected and and people spent a hundred bucks or fifty something to minimus and it was expertly curated, I think that's thoughtful. The so you don't like that it's random. So I don't like the randomness. Right. I don't like. It's kind of like, it's almost like uh, a pretend way of investing on this. And I think people should do the homework. Um, I, I I don't think that one thing people should know about all the tokens you buy, the likelihood that you can get liquidity on most of them. Is, is very low. For example, on the top 100, there's a whole bunch on there that only trade on certain networks and are very hard to get any money out of. Those things that people just don't know. It's easy to buy, very hard to sell. Um, so, I mean, as an investment, no, I don't like this. I think it's cute. It's almost like I, I tie this to be something like you'd buy at Niagara Falls at a gift store, you know? Well, you went and something, hold it. I'm going to stop on that because you brought up something really interesting. A long time ago, I had a problem with a company called Robinhood, right? <laughs> there we go. And I was so wrong. I mean, I was so wrong. So basically what Robinhood is, it's a, you know, you buy these stocks, you have no background to it. They just crushed it. They raised that. What was it? $5 billion is basically it. And so, I mean, this company went right through the roof. You had no education on this of what the stocks you were buying. And I thought that was so irresponsible, I can't tell you. I think there's irresponsible to this a little bit. And I don't know all the bits and pieces and I'd have to dive in. But I think this is one of the cases where I really didn't like this company, really didn't like it when you were first pitching it. But I think that there is something that we have to sort of opt in a bit on this in terms of um, where this might go. And once again, using this as an on-ramp to cryptocurrency for the expansion of what I think is going to be a very big future in blockchain. All right. Time. I'm sorry. We have to go on. We have one other company to see. Thank you very much, PK. Thank you, PK. Thank you. When we come back, one final pitch, and then the investors pick a winner. That is, if Jillian and Michael can agree. You don't understand me. Yes. Yes, I don't. (laughs) Yes, I fucking don't. (laughs) This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies that fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, 
it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. You're listening to The Pitch Live, a startup competition. All right. Finally, our last founders, Scott and Dan with Open Bottle. Hello. Hello, Hello, Josh. Hello, investors. How are you? Time for a sample, Are we right? going for a drink? Ooh. No? Is that a note in a bottle? We are. We're... Is that the one I tried in the green room? Oh, no. it has that open really bottle. Okay. Unfortunately, they have, no. they have some nice wines. So, hello, Brooklyn. Woo! I'm psyched to be here. Uh, my name is Dan Roycroft. And I'm Scott Steffen. And we're the co-founders of Open Bottle. And this is an amazing bottle of wine. But what's not so important about that bottle of wine it's how the bottle was emptied. You see, a couple weekends ago, myself and five others, almost complete strangers, got together to share and experience that bottle. The bottle of wine Dan was holding is a 1998 Penfolds Grange. Amazing wine. 60-second finish, just fantastic wine. It's on my bucket list. But this is the problem. So that bottle is 400, maybe 500, plus tax and tip to buy it, and I want to taste it as an individual. And I can't do that, it's too expensive to buy the entire bottle. Well, that's not the case anymore with Open Bottle. Uh, we have a, a patent pending a technology called Reserva Glass. And with Reserva Glass, users can uh, review listings, select wines that they're interested in, and reserve one or two or three glasses of a particular bottle. For the restaurants, it's that simple as well. We can list everything on their wine list, or anything they want us to list on their wine list in the Open Bottle app. Then they can sell these wines by the glass. There's a reserve. Once it hits the reserve, that glass is sold for the restaurant and there's zero risk to them. Oh. Ah. <laughs> that was that bing. So, help us and join us to uncork a $14 billion industry. Open Bottle is literally transforming the way wine is purchased, shared, and experienced. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Okay, so there are so many positive things about this. Let's talk a little bit about the, the economics though of it. I mean, I sure. get the, why restaurants would do this. I also think hotels would do this for sure, all right? Um, I'm an investor in Michael Mina Group. Um, we have 20, whatever, 30 restaurants, and I get this. And But tell us a little about the user experience. How far in advance do you have to order this? And also, is this, I mean, for the older group, the older subset, um, I don't know if I would spend time online, I assume, well, taking on. answer, a look. Answer the right? first question. Go through the economics. Go yeah. through your first question. So can we reframe the economics question? I'm just yeah. trying to... Yeah. How do you make money? How do you make money? Yeah, so we make money <laughs> basically through the restaurant. So 
Uh, right now, it's a subscription fee as well as a small percentage on top of every transaction for that class. So walk us through so, that. So yeah. I, they, the, the restaurant subscribes to your app and Correct. users subscribe to the app. I walk in, somebody opens a bottle and I buy a glass out of it? No, so no, So the no, restaurant no. pays? Walk us through this yeah, thing okay. step by step. <laughs> the, uh, the restaurant pays a monthly subscription to have access to the open bottle network, Ooh. right? So there are, uh, everyone carrying around a phone in here, I think, I maybe? I like that. So everyone has the app on their phone. Uh, restaurants can speak directly to those consumers now. They have a channel. Okay. okay. So the uh, so the restaurant pays a subscription of access to the network. How much? Every time uh, it's forty thirty to forty dollars a month. Our current model is thirty. Okay, thirty a month. Yep. Okay. Every time someone reserves a glass, we take a uh, percentage of that glass price. How much? Ten percent. So. Those I'm are the just confused why people are doing this. I go to a restaurant, order a bottle of wine, or buy a glass. You're saying people just reserve a glass before they get there? Absolutely. Yes. What? Really? Because what? People, but I mean, you buy the glass or buy the wine. Are well, you saying that, like, because it's an unopened, it's not a normal buy the glass bottle? Correct. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. One of my biggest pet peeves is going to these restaurants to have these bloody glasses of wine that are so mediocre, right? That you think to yourself, okay, I won't have it. Where this actually restaurant would definitely be able to optimize because they'll really be able to dip into some of their big bottles. But if you open a bottle and only sold one glass, what happens no, to the rest of it? No, they don't. That's what they're saying is you won't be able to, am I right? You won't Correct. be able to open it up unless- yeah, The, the you restaurant has a reserve, so right. they can- Okay, so we gotta, we gotta bring Michael with us. Okay. Right, right. I don't know if the millennials will actually spend time really looking and seeing what wines are interesting, or are they? So tell me about your customer acquisition uh, right now. Can I address this, the user experience really yes, quick? Yes, please. Okay, so think of it this way, right? We're in a, a boring conference room, listening to someone drone on about something that we're not interested about. Your phone buzzes, yep, you're the person who's looking at their phone, but should be paying attention in the meeting, and it's a notice from Open Bottle. Your favorite restaurant or a restaurant in your area just listed a great bottle of wine. Oh. I tap on it. It's from Open Bottle. Holy smokes. Uh, Thursday happens. Uh, this restaurant on Thursday between 6 and 11.30 p.m. is going to make this bottle available for buy-the-glass servings. By the way, they'll have you know uh, a, a great pairing with it, all this other information. Reserve your glass now. I think to myself, Thursday's date night. I, I, I've been looking for a reason to go here. I got my wine reserved. Well, now, now it's date night. Here's the issue, right? I mean, you're 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 assuming that that's how people buy wine. What you're describing is a niche subset of the wine. You have to really be into wine to do what you're doing. To like look at your phone, find an app, find a bottle. The average person's not going to do that. The average American consumer does not do that today. And that's why I said no, earlier. but I mean, like you're you, but but no, think you're you're obsessing a little too much about the wine. I don't think people go, you know, honey, we really need to go to this restaurant because I can buy this one glass of wine there. That sounds like a little bit. Uh, I, you well, know what? I'm going to uh, so disagree with you on this. I, I mean, a little bit um, because I mean, this whole foodie revolution is just picking up steam. Everybody is sort of wanting to get on board. I actually think this might be. Uh, becoming a way for people to enjoy wine and be able to acquaint themselves with wine better. And also, I think it's an opportunity for the, the, the labels themselves, right, 
to have to utilize you i think you should be able getting revenues from the labels okay as well as the restaurants i'm a little bit concerned about charging the restaurants um but i really do like the idea that it's driving people to the restaurants so you're working on both ways of customers acquiring customers Absolutely. where the restaurants are working with you to drive people right to acquire you're acquiring for the brand for the labels i think there's a lot of win-win-win so tell me what keeps you up at night. What are your biggest challenges right now? For me, it's the scalability piece, the growth of both sides of this equation. So, so tell me we, about the growth. What's been going faster? What are the biggest problems there? Yeah, do you, so chicken or egg, do you onboard the restaurants? Do you onboard consumers? How do you incrementally achieve right. that? How are you doing it now? Yeah, so right now we've been working with five core restaurants in our local area and we've been onboarding around Which area? Them. Uh, Buffalo, New York. What's the average cost of the Buffalo, glass of wine? Buffalo, New York? Buffalo, yes. New York. Do they have Ooh. wine there? Buffalo? Somebody? Oh. One? Yeah. All right. I've been to some tailgate parties there. Uh, so you're you're <laughs> succeeding in Buffalo, New York? What can you? What's the average price for a glass of wine? Like, what's the average in, in Buffalo, New York, and what's your average? That's awesome. Good question. That's a really so good question. So our average for the Open Bottle Network is between $20 and $25 for a glass of wine. That's up there. Uh, we do have some across, our, you know, we do cover a range. We're definitely doing some A-B testing you, on the overall price. You guys, thing. the three of you, all disagree with me on this. You think that that's normal, that, that because I think that's not normal. That is not, in that's fact. That's not normal. That's normal worrisome. dining America doesn't spend 20, 25 bucks a yeah. glass of wine. Your price okay, point is How many high. people here want to pick a restaurant, buy a 20, $25 glass of wine, use this app? Not going to happen. Oh, I got one. Oh, I got two. Oh, three. I, I, I'm just, oh, I, I, all I'm trying to make the point is I like what you're doing. I just think it's niche. Well, I think the price point is really problematic. Yeah. And I think right. we're going to, we can work on the, we can work on driving the price points down as we demonstrate value to the restaurant, value Look, to the we, restaurant, value to the brand. We all know people spend a thousand bucks on a bottle of wine. That's fine, but that's not normal. Uh, that's also not the market that we're after. That's but even that's, 200 bucks. I mean, the one we just had back there was probably 200 bucks. That's no not kidding. normal. So... Uh, I'm not. I would say the average glass of wine in in Buffalo is eight bucks. So the so, the price. So the house is, wine, absolutely, it's eight dollars. So the, right. the house so wine is garbage. Your, so how much how much traction do you have on this? How many customers do you have? So how, we have got five restaurants. Yep, in yep, Buffalo, five restaurants. We've sold over two hundred glasses of high quality wine over the last three months. In three That's, months? Yeah. Is, isn't it's on fire. Buffalo, New York. Oh, I'm sorry. But I I've never question. been. I'm sure it's a lovely place. This is my point. This is. I, I, She's right. I think this is a very thin slice of the wine market. Okay. It's a very thin slice of the upper. It's, it's for pretty rich people. No, I. You know what? Uh, if you can get the pricing right, they don't consul, They don't control the price. Don't you? Doesn't that the no, restaurant control it? So it is. It is a good point. We work with a restaurant to set a, a, a glass price. We have a glass price calculator that helps them. So uh, that we've found over these 200 glasses, it drives uh, volume into the restaurant or not. So there's some hits or misses, and we're optimizing that pricing. Over time, though, I think when we really start to demonstrate the, the value to the restaurant, that no, one, number one, they're taking that locked up inventory. Some some restaurants have tens or hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars of of uh, wine in their cellars and we're turning that uh, inventory into cash so what flow. So sell it way that... cheaper as a lost leader to get them in? That, that's an option for the restaurant as well. That's, so, so great. Sure. that's a great, but way cheaper doesn't buy it. I think we can do some things with the sharing economy. Because right. your right. proposition is you're going to get a glass, an expensive glass for most people of a great bottle of wine, 
I'm not sure there's that many people that want that in a mass market. I mean, as you rise up to, how many people here spend 20, 25 bucks a glass when you go out and have a glass of wine? But I think the pricing... I mean, it's very, very thin. I mean, right here, that was like 2% of the audience. I'm telling you, it's a very, very thin... I think the pricing is a big issue. But Michael, respectfully, truly, we are, we've moved 200 classes High-end glasses in Buffalo, New York. Nothing. No, Buff, there's nothing wrong well, with Buffalo. What were these doing before? I, I, except what were these restaurants I, I, doing before? Yes. And then after with your solution. Yeah, what sorry, is it? Please, what were they, how much of the, in, was there in an increase in sales new between business. what they were doing before? Was this after? new business? Josh, oh, you're actually, it, there you go. No, so thank you, Josh. <laughs> and, and that's, that's what matters, yeah. right? Hello. It's a new business. What's that? And, and, you know, so the availability of a $20, $25 glass isn't there today. Today, you have to buy that bottle. Today, that's $150, $175. But who buys definitely. that bottle today? I mean, who goes in and buys 100 It's not I about you today. Do. Like, I, but it's I, not but about I, today. I don't. But I mean, I, I'm telling you, like, not many people do. I'm trying to make the point is you're, like, people who go to wine clubs love you. Okay, so here's the thing. Which is like this One much. of the biggest. We one have of the to biggest go. I got, I got one. I don't think this is going to slow down. It's okay. Okay. We have to though. cut it right here. Can Very I add one? Feedback. If you open the app today, there's $12 and $14 glasses in there as well. Which, okay. And okay. those $12 there and $14 glasses include tax and tip. So that's all in there okay. already. So it well, is you should a price have said thing. that before. Yes. When, and, so when we that's, said. That's, that's the price thing you want, right? right? And one of that's them. more interested, be. right? You should be saying Thanks, we Dan. have Thanks, the range Scott. between the 14 and the 25. Thank you, Jillian. And free wine for everybody. One of them's a Wine Spectator Top 50 as well. <laughs> you gotta like them though, right? I love them. Nice I guys. Love them. Can I make a comment on, 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 on the people that came out? The number one thing you look for in these startups, because it's a very early stage, is can, they, uh, can you work with them and can they pivot? All companies pivot no matter what. They'll pivot. All these companies are going to pivot five times. Yeah. But can you work with them as a person? Are they likable? And will they pivot? That's it. Yeah. You're betting on the person. You're betting on the founders. Because whatever you're starting with here, ain't going to end with. It's not right. going to end with. Uh, yeah. You've right? got to like the person. All right. Let's recap mean. these companies. Okay. Lay it on the line. Go ahead. So we had Honeyfy first. The app that lets couples manage finances together. One person likes that. Uh, <laughs> Zblocks, a website... This is not correct. It's not a website. A USB stick that hopes to be people's gateway into crypto. <laughs> Michael's rolling his eyes. And Open Bottle, the app that gives people access to otherwise unaffordable fine wine. Can we cheat a bit and actually say, okay, how many people would use Honeyfy? Raise their hands. Wait, how many people use Honeyfy that are not here for the founders? Okay. Okay, now crypto, how many people are going to use a crypto key? Who's buying it? Let's see. And who's buying a glass in Buffalo? <laughs> let's say it was here. Wait, <laughs> yeah, let's stop. Say it's here. Forget about Buffalo. Who would buy, who would use this to kind of re- buy a glass that maybe they haven't tried before? See? For 25 bucks. No, for 14. That's the starter. No, look at all those hands. This You're gonna spend delicious. 25 bucks By on a glass the way, tonight. Yeah, you know, this Shiraz, this is an excellent bottle of Shiraz. Does he? Does he really spend 25 bucks? Yes. You're going to have a great dinner tonight. Yeah. So, this, this is, this is going to work. <laughs> so have you already made up your minds? You guys don't need to chat this out anymore? I made up my mind. I made up my mind. Okay. I know he's going to go for honey pot, honey fi. It really needs a better branding. Don't respond to that. Okay. Do you know what she's going to pick? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He knows what I'm going to pick. He's going to pick the crypto. 
Because she started no and then she... Bite me. <laughs> this happens there all the time. Is. All right, let's bring the founders back out. You don't understand me. Yes. Yes, I don't. <laughs> yes, I, I don't. <laughs> Good answer. That's all right. Neither does any... Here we go. Here we go. All right. This is the moment of truth. Who wants to go first? Jillian does. No, she doesn't. Okay, I'll, I mean, I'll go first because I'm courageous. Um, so... Uh, the honey fi, I think, is inherent. There are a lot of complications in it, and I really do see that it, it might be more of a service than a product. I worry about um, honeydew being out so far, and I, don't he I haven't heard a total differentiator, but on the other side, you have such a deep banking and your, your acumen, your expertise. So as a team, I would put your team probably first because of your background and the fact that I know you're going to do this well. So you're picking Honeyfy? No. So, um, but, um, okay. I still see this as a slightly dump, okay? It could be perceived as that. I do realize that you had to move to Canada. You must have because there are too many gray areas regulatory here in the United States. Um, I actually think you're onto something really amazing, okay? And for the same reasons I didn't like Robin Hood, I don't like this because I think there's a lot of irresponsibility in this. But I also believe that you need to keep going and people need to have better engagement with crypto. Um, I think so blockchain is not going to be just a disruptive technology. I think it's going to be a foundational one for this world. And so I like the fact that you're giving people an on-ramp. I'm still very worried about how the process you're using. So for that reason, I'm going to pass on you. So open bottle. You know what, guys? I kind of love this. And maybe it's because I am invested in so many restaurants. I see this really doing well. Um, I know there are a lot of wines that I always want to try. I have so to I'm cut you off you. because we are at time and Go. we have, I have oh. a feeling we have a tiebreaker here. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I didn't op mean to open bottle. Um, I really like you guys as founders. I could work with you. You guys are great guys. I think that you are going to uh, pivot this. I don't think the business model as it is works. I think it's too niche, too expensive. I think there's a way to get people in expensive bottles on the cheap somehow. And I think you're going to figure that out. I'm actually interested in the business and I want to have a conversation with you after. I'm not uninterested in investing. I actually like you guys and think you have something. And I like the fact you're in Buffalo. Actually, I like the fact you're starting there. Um, crypto. Um, I, I, I like this space a lot. I think what you're selling, the product's wrong. I, I think you're going into an interesting direction. The product isn't right for me. Uh, I think you make a lot of good points. Um, I think you can probably just sell a Bitcoin key to a lot of people and you're probably doing them a favor or something maybe. But I don't like the randomness. Michael turns to HoneyFi. Um, if I were to invest in a company today and I think I can scale it and sell it, uh, it's yours. Let me tell you why I'd invest in you. Essentially, I like you a lot. I think you're a great guy. I like the reason you started the business. Entrepreneurs that start businesses because they have a need are the best. And, and you guys too. 
And I think that what you're doing is that you can scale quick. And if I invested in you, I bet you we could sell you to an FI within the next three years and do terrifically well. I think I can make a lot of money out of you. That's why I'd probably invest. So it's you. All right. We have a tiebreaker on our hands. So I think we're going to have to have the audience choose the winner. Totally. How do you guys feel about this? Totally. All right. Who thinks Honeyfy should take home the prize today? Big it up. Okay. All right. Who thinks Open Bottle should take home the prize? <laughs> Folks, it's pretty clear. The winner is Honeyfy. Yeah. Robbie! Yeah. Hey, congratulations, guys. How do you feel? Awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Thank you, and thank you. <laughs> Did you think you'd win? Uh, I don't know, not really, but uh, <laughs> I mean, yes, of course. <laughs> Just edit that, please. Uh, <laughs> I will absolutely not. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming out. Thank, thank you all the founders for coming out. Jillian, Michael, you guys are legends as always. I do want to say thank you to my team, Kareem, Molly, Blythe, and those who aren't here, Lisa. And uh, Enoch Kim, we have a fantastic team who's working hard week in and week out to bring these episodes out. So anyway, and thank you all for coming out. It's been a blast. The pitch will be back August 15th. So don't miss it. See you guys. So what you just heard was the very first live show for The Pitch. We had a great time and we think the audience did too. But I want to know, what do you think? We're thinking about doing more live shows in the future, so we want to know, did you like it? And would you come to one of our live shows in person? Let us know on Twitter at The Pitch Show or send a quick email to thepitch at gimletmedia.com. If you're an entrepreneur raising money for your startup, you can apply to pitch on our show by going to thepitch.show slash apply. Our next taping will be this November in New York City. And as always, thanks for listening. We'll be back with our new season in two weeks on August 15th. Get ready. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.